I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Might you get sued? We got legal on this. I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live here, Wednesday edition of the PFF NFL Podcast. It's going to be a fun show here today, Sam. Excellent. Those are always good. Yeah. We're talking some uh, PFF awards, which uh, you're an official voter now. You and uh, a lot of other people. Of the AP. Of the AP. Yeah, these you're are not AP those, voter. though. These are PFF's awards. But we get the PFF awards, but, you're, you, but you, got to, you, know, you, you get your say in the mm. awards. Um, so we're going to go through the PFF awards, and then remember our preseason bets. We're going to go through all, a bunch of our preseason bets with, uh, with you, the fans. Yep. Can't believe the season's already over. Right. It's, uh, it's kind of roundup season for everybody. The NFL PA put out their all-pro team. Did you see that? Uh, you told me about it. I didn't see it. not bad. It I thought yeah. it would be... I thought it would be worse. We've seen them do the NFL 100. That's what made me think it would be quite a lot worse. Maybe they're good at just figuring out the top 20, but beyond that, it's Well, like... the methodology is a bit different, which I thought was interesting. Um, J.C. Treader, uh, who's the president right, of the NFLPA, tweeted what the kind of methodology thing would be before it came out. Um, only active players can vote, and they only get one vote. If a player missed five or more games as of week 15, they're ineligible. Now... The flaw in this was was created immediately because Aaron Donald made the team who had only missed, I think, four games as of week 15. There's two problems there. One, evidently they vote in week 15, so the final two weeks of the season don't count, which is three weeks, right? It's 18 weeks now. Is that it is games? 18, yeah. So three weeks of the season don't count. That's quite a lot of the season not to be factoring in to your votes. But anyway, and number two, Aaron Donald missed everything since week 11 and still made their team. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, players cannot vote for themselves or for their own teammates. Players vote for the position group they play in and line up against. So, for example, centers can vote for the best center in the league, the best nose tackle in the league, the best interior defensive lineman in the league, and the best off-the-ball linebacker in the league. So, in theory, it's like supposed that. to That's design good. players to be only be able to vote for players that they actually do watch on tape. That you part know? makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, because like, like a tackle is not watching any tape of a cornerback. He has no idea, zero clue who yeah. the best cornerbacks are in the NFL. Uh, and then the special teams thing was done by various leaders from each team nominating essentially two special teams players for that team. Because nobody watches special teams. Right. Nobody Pretty has much. any idea. Their team actually ended up being okay. Like I say, there were some flaws. There were some problems. But overall, a lot better than the, the NFL 100 system. So that's great. That's, uh, that's really good. We're going to go through our awards as well. As we PFS said. All-Pro team is obviously out as well. Everybody, uh, right on the PFF app. Go, we'll go read it. He hates app. it. <laughs> oh, what's everybody mad about? What are they most mad about right now? The most angry people are about the fact that Nick Bosa is not first team All Pro. Oh, you didn't give it to Nick, huh? So there's three edge rushers that are very difficult to. Aren't separate. we going to talk about this later? Don't we have other stuff to talk about first? Well, so we'll talk about it as well when we get to awards, but we might as well quickly hammer it now. Like there are three edge rushers that all had amazing seasons: Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett. Two of them play on good teams. One of them plays on a bad team. Um, but it's, it's almost impossible to separate those guys. So one of them is going to miss out. It would be easy to have Miles Garrett miss out because he plays on a bad team and nobody will care. Uh, but 
I don't think that's right. Um, and by the way, neither, neither do the players. The players had Miles Garrett on their first team, All-Pro. They had Garrett and Bosa. We had Garrett and Parsons. Um, but the point being, there's three into two, so somebody's going to miss out. And for us, it was Nick Bosa. Wow. That, that's, that's what people are most mad about? Yeah. Well, that's good. You're, it's all your fault. Mm. I mean, I'm skewed by the fact that Bosa had all those sacks and, you know, was on a good defense. Default to that. I got DM'd by another, uh, another official voter who made a made, – that was his case. He was like, Nick Bosa drove Colton Miller back into the quarterback's lap in overtime and won them the game. Like, sure. I made that point at the time, actually. Yeah, and it's yeah. a fine point. Like, the, he had a great season. Like, this is why he is one of the three candidates for All-Pro. Uh, but there are signature moments from other people as well. Like, you know, Michael Parsons, for example, handed Andrew Thomas the first sack he gave up this year. The next week, he handed Christian Darrisaw the first two sacks he gave up in that the was, year. That was weeks ago, though. Yes, it was weeks ago. Uh, that's the biggest problem with the voting. It's like, man, people don't have good enough memories to remember September and October. That was all part of the season, though. Mm. It was part of the season. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, you wanted to... The, the Pro Bowl skills are also out. Do you want to start with that, or, do you, or is that like a, I, a fun finish to the show? Let's start with it because it's kind of funny. Okay. The, <laughs> so remember, the Pro Bowl, what, it, it's gone away in favor of a flag football game. Is that what's happening? Um, but they also have the skills competition. And the skills competition for the NFL, the best of the best in the NFL, is effectively televised recess. Uh, so let me, let me read you what's happening during this game. Thursday, there's going to be epic, epic is in the name, epic Pro Bowl dodgeball. Speaks for itself, I think. There is dodgeball? the lightning round. New this year, each conference will select 16 players to compete in a three-part elimination challenge that will leave one player at the end to earn three points for his conference. In the first event, lightning round splash catch, Teammate pairings from each conference will toss water balloons back and forth from increasing distances. Of course this is new for this year. They've never done any. Everything's new for this year. Each tandem that competes completes all of their tosses advances to the second phase. In part two, lightning round high stakes. Advancing players will attempt to catch punts from a jugs machine to earn a place representing the conference oh, in Wolf the final up. round of competition. In the final part of each, each conference will aim at targets attached to a bucket hanging above the head of an opposing conference's coach. <laughs> the first team to dump the bucket on the opposing coach wins and earn three points. Uh, okay. Then there's the longest drive, which is golf. Four players from each conference will try and drive a golf ball the furthest. Uh, then better than recess. Precision passing presented by EA Sports Madden NFL 23 mobile. Each of the conferences, three quarterback, blah, blah. You Wait, know Madden's mobile? Apparently. Now I know. Uh, best catch presented by Uber Eats. Uh, it's just two guys trying to make a spectacular catch. Uh, Sunday, there's also best catch, apparently. They're keeping them there for four days? Yeah. To do all this? Then there's gridiron gauntlet, a side-by-side -side relay race showcasing strength, speed, and agility. Uh, kick tac-toe, each team's kicker, punter, and long snapper compete in a giant tic-tac-toe competition to showcase their respective skills. And then finally, move the chains. Four teams will compete side by side in a weighted wall pull that will showcase their strength, speed, and ingenuity. Each team of five players is responsible for pulling a wall loaded up with heavy weights 10 yards as quickly as possible using first down chains. <laughs> I have many, many questions here. So that's, that's the Pro Bowl now. Who's, who do you think at the league office? Yeah. 
is responsible for this. I kind of hope Raj just went to like a playground somewhere and was like, all of those games, write them down. Let's do that. That's what we're doing. Like who really just, hey, you're for the next six months, your job, or maybe a day, your job is to come up with something to fill Pro Bowl. I mean, if that took longer than five minutes, we here are your constraints. It can't be a football game. Go. That's it. Your constraint is it can't be a football game. Yeah. Anything else is 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 in play, including dodgeball and epic dodgeball epic dodgeball and uh and, and oh by the way go go grab some sponsors for it yeah make yeah. sure there's a couple sponsors can, for each game if you can make the name a pun that ties directly to a corporate sponsor that would be ideal the funniest thing about all this it's a this is a four-day event now is it four days i mean thursday thursday and there's sunday that's are they just filming it one day i mean here's the what's the what's the biggest show on tv these days cable i mean what, what gets the best ratings every week the nfl always i mean like a drama, like With a non stone, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the this whatever this is is going to crush all of it. It's still going to yeah. be a ratings bonanza, of course, for the Pro Bowl weekend. Yes. If one guy gets hurt, <laughs> playing, oh, playing epic time, it's over. It's over. Why didn't they bring the old QB skills competition? That's what everybody's. Well, that's for. that's the accuracy thing. There's some version of that is there. We not just want to see a QB thing. long throw. I do. That's the Josh one thing Allen. they haven't added to this. Yeah. Why do we not? Have, they've got an, a longest drive competition to see who I can drive a golf ball. I just want to see who can ball. throw the ball the first. Right. Line up Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen next to each other and Please. see who can hit 95 yards. Then you're rooting for like you root for Joe Burrow and the Bengals to make the Super Bowl just so Allen and Mahomes can go to the right Pro Bowl. I want noodle armed quarterbacks in the Super Bowl only. So that the Pro Bowlers are Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes trying to throw the ball a mile from the from where they. But the QB it. competition should be. I think every quarterback should be invited to that for the long throw. Like I want Taylor Heineke there side by side with Josh Allen. Just it's to like see. it's like the uh, it's like when they used to do the NFL's fastest man thing. You know, it was like a sprint. And it was never. You know, there were a lot of times where the NFL's fastest man clearly wasn't there. That's like, hmm. I mean, this is nice and all, but yeah, you have to. You're you not have to faster partake. than Tyreek Hill. You know, see, I think for those things, everybody needs to play. You got to get everybody in there. Yeah. Get some line. Oh, do fastest linemen. Do fastest uh, everything. Tight end. Anyway, that's. Uh, so that's the Pro Bowl. That's interesting. <laughs> those guys had to earn it, man. That's what's funny. Like, they earned a spot on the Pro Bowl team. They to earned go, a spot at recess. To go do this. Yeah. Yeah. Where is it? Send it back to Hawaii? I don't know. Is it, is it in Arizona? Uh, I don't know where it is. Should we get? They usually they go to the Super Isn't Bowl. Isn't always site in now. Vegas now? Oh, maybe. Isn't that where probably they put it? So yeah, that sounds like fun. All right, you want to get into? Uh, you want to do bets or awards first? You want to go through our bets? Yeah, well, let's quickly get those out of the way. Uh, it is Allegiant Stadium, which is Vegas, right? <laughs> That's a good question. All right, it before is. we before we get into. What are we doing? Bets? Yeah. The PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home? Planning to start a family? Wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. So you see it right there up on the screen, westernsouthern.com slash PFF. PFF, go check it out right now. Thanks to our friends over at Western and Southern. All right, so we made, just to catch everybody up, we made some bets at the beginning of the season. The mm-hmm. genesis of this was uh, 
was a confident Raiders fan who said, you guys, you jerks, you guys ranked the Raiders with the number 21 roster this offseason. I believe they're better. Put your money where your mouth is. You guys should take bets on uh, things that we believe as listeners, viewers, and things that you guys always say. So we said, hey, that's a great idea. and Let's do that. Um, I forget who the Raiders fan was, but um, I think we nailed that one too, by the way. Um, they finished 6-11. and 11. So we took the, – the, the goal here was Steve and Sam said something, right? You mm. hate my team. You hate my quarterback. You believe this guy's good, and I don't think he is. Something that we said that we truly believe in, and, and essentially our listeners challenged us to a bet. You said this, but I believe the opposite. And uh, let's, let's put something on the line. And um, we had a whole show where we accepted or declined bets. We took a lot of criticism for declining a lot of bets. But again, the point was, had to be something that we strongly believed in. Yeah. And uh, here we are to either pay out or get paid. Or get paid. Uh, there's not an awful lot of us getting paid involved in this. I don't think that was we're not really, really getting paid. Drive, but you know, um, we uh, the final tally is um, 24 wins, four losses, and one that we voided because it involved Drew Locke. So you know, didn't happen, uh, which isn't a bad start. Like it, it, a lot of them earlier in the year it looked like we were going to lose a lot of these, and then someone swung back in our favor over the course of the season um positive regression yeah so let's sort of run through some of the ones that we won daniel jones will be a top 12 quarterback in passing grade nope uh the war one that the patriots top three picks would have more war than the ravens top three picks that was looking dodgy for a while swung back in our favor the bills offensive line will be top five in pff grade they've been heading in the wrong direction there i think bottom five right now um first one we lost seahawks will win eight or more games from Thomas Stewart, there was um, there was a few. I mean, the ones that we lost, very much Seahawks yeah, related. Yeah, if, if there. people whose names we can read out, or if you recognize this as your bet, would email us back. That would be helpful. Otherwise, I gotta go trawling through emails to find it again. So Thomas Stewart, you're a winner. Yep. I think we we probably promised what PFF Plus yes. to all of our winners. Right. A year. So Thomas Stewart's gonna get a year of, of PFF Plus because he bet us that the Seahawks would win eight plus games. Yeah, good for him. Uh, a couple of these were Seahawks related. Um, Brian Kuhn that Zach Wilson would break into the top 15. Ooh, dear. Uh, Elliot had an interesting one, and this is another one we lost, that the Raiders, Dolphins, and Eagles, essentially the teams that traded four number one wide receivers in the offseason, will have a higher EPA per play than the Titans, Packers, and Chiefs, the teams that traded them away. Now, the Chiefs obviously did great by us. The Titans screwed us. The Titans and their injuries and their garbage offensive line and the whole thing falling apart, they effectively single-handedly canceled out the Chiefs' offense in EPA per play, leaving the Packers, who were like barely above average, um, to kind of carry the day. But the Dolphins had a good offense and the Eagles had a good offense, and even the Raiders wasn't great, but it wasn't bad enough to drag down that. So Tennessee being awful lost us that bet so. i'm surprised i accepted I, I accepted this on the titans packers chiefs you yeah. have because i would have been well, I was, if the titans just didn't stink we'd have won it easily i know but i was the one that was like hammering the other teams were making the right moves at receiver yeah. so i feel like i would have been on the other side of it but yeah we lose i guess we lose that yeah one. so elliot i don't have a second name but if elliot messages us elliot you win he will get a uh a free this time. talk is live right for yeah yeah to go anyone check can see out it um I don't know if it's in the chat, but anyway, we've posted out. the link. We'll have it in the description of this. You can go see the document. Uh, Bradley Ackerley, Vikings will finish top five in PFF's offensive line rankings. I think there were 11, maybe 10 
they they got into the top ten. They didn't quite get to five. They were better, but that's an ag- that's an aggressive bet. Yes. Yeah. Um, Vishnu, the Patriots wide receiver core, would be better than the Bills wide receiver core. Nope. Uh, Zach Wilstrup, the Cowboys will finish last in the NFC East. Nope. Though you know the rest of the NFC East was competitive. Uh, Ty guy on Twitter, the Browns start the season four and zero, regardless of the Watson suspension. Didn't happen. Uh, Trevor Steinenberg. Seahawks starting quarterback Gino Orlock will be top 25% of qualifying quarterbacks in PFF grade. Gino got it there. Gino, even with the tail off towards the end, was top 10 in quarterback grades, which when you have the threshold low enough is top 25%. Um, Obviously, if you had 32 quarterbacks. So Trevor, Trevor, another... Seahawks so three out of the four have Seahawks connections yeah of our losses it's, it's all so this is another lo- uh, loss Essentially, for we us got, we got one thing really wrong and we were called on it um and those one bets so uh Toby Chiefs offense and defense will finish top five in EPA per play nope offense did defense didn't uh somebody Jonathan said that Brandon Scherf will have a career year in PFF grade plus a bunch of other ones for Jags basically every Jags yeah signing will be really good and that didn't if we do this next year one lesson from a bet standpoint is pin your mask to one thing don't the composite bets are not going to go your way (laughs) don't do it find one he thing. had a christian kirk thing yeah a follow photocasi finishing top 10 and run defense he had a lot of things there. one thing no matter how crazy it is and bet on that one or send us in multiple individual bets don't try and come up with a composite one you will lose uh lee miles falcons will finish at the same record or better as the chargers got closer but not quite they were one game apart when they played each other yeah and it was uh yeah. zach guest the bucks will sweep the saints in 2022 and Brady will have an 80-plus PFF grade in both. Didn't happen. Uh, another Zach Wilson one from Austin Callahan. Jordan Webster says the Bears will have a top 20 offense this season. That got pretty close. That looked good for a end. while, too. Yeah. Um, they were 22nd, something like that, but it got closer than it was looking for a while. Uh, Steven Robinson, the next one we lost. Daniel Jones will finish within three points of Russell Wilson in PFF grade. Now, actually, if you want to be technically harsh about it, he didn't finish within three points of him. No, right? he was way better. He was way better. Way better. So if you if you wanted to be really pedantic, you could say actually we won that one on a technicality, the no. best way of winning. But, <laughs> but we're Stephen not Robinson that. gets uh, he right. gets PFF plus. We are giving him his PFF plus because the spirit of that bet is clearly that Russell Wilson would be better than Daniel Jones, and Daniel Jones would get close. But in fact, Jones was way better than Wilson this year. Uh, Nick said Trey Hendrickson will finish with 19 plus sacks. Nope. Christopher said Steelers will finish top 12 in offensive DVOA. Uh, we pivoted all these to EPA per play or something, right? Um, anyway, yeah. didn't happen and made the playoffs. Didn't happen. Again, composite bet. Not going to be your friend. Justin in Portland, Dak Prescott finishes with an 82 PFF grade. Nope. Uh, Steven, all four AFC West teams make the playoffs. Almost happened, but with a different division. Um Chad, Jaquan Briscoe will be the highest graded defensive rookie. That's one for you. Didn't happen. Uh, Kay says Panthers will win the NFC South. Almost happened. Didn't quite happen. They were close. Uh, Lucas was the one with the Drew Locke bet that got voided. Voided. Dino, week 18 game between the Giants and the Eagles will be for the division title, and the Giants will win. That one got reasonably close for a while, and then Eagles pulled away. Giants collapsed. Uh, Rory Daniel. This is the guy. So technically, we won this bet. This was the Detroit Lions will win, will make the playoffs, and he may email this. This is a this. midseason bet. Yes, 
He emailed this when they were nowhere. They had like a 1% chance of making it at this point. He was sketching out this scenario where everything came together. Aiden Hutchinson stepped up. Some random showed up and improved the defense. And, you know, like James Houston, um, everything came together and they ran the table and they made the playoffs. I think because it basically happened except for one crazy-ass game where they gave up 320 yards to the Panthers on the ground and just forgot how to defend the run. I say we give this guy the uh, the free subscription. I, I completely agree. He's going to pay in $50 to the charity drive what the, we're what, doing right now. What were the Lions, one in seven or something? Something like that. Um, when, he, when he called this in? He's going to pay $50 to the charity drive right now, so I figure it's a fair Oh, yeah. Trade. Rory Daniels getting PFF plus for uh, the year. Colin Brinster said the Jet coach Saturday. Obviously a midseason bet that yes. we took. We'll have a better win percentage this year than Nathaniel Hackett. Now, I think he said this after game one, right? Like after they'd beaten the Raiders. And Maybe. I mean, it looked good high. after week one. Things were high on coach Saturday. And then, yeah. you know. And it no. actually didn't happen. No, despite the fact game. that Hackett got canned and you know finished with a crappy record, Hackett Coach was Saturday, sitting on his poor record. Yes, he he declared and was out for whatever it was. I and think then, Saturday just needed one or two more wins, right? Yeah, and then uh, Coach Saturday just kept losing. And then Vortex from YouTube, whoever that is, Derek Carr and Tua grades combined will be higher than Mahomes and Rogers PFF grade combined. No, so Did that's our happen. tally: twenty-four wins, four losses, and one no contest. So look, I did win something this year. Won yes. a few bets. Yeah, you did. Uh, a few people offered up coffee and various things that they've uh, emailed about. We appreciate that. Uh huh. I don't need to accept any any gifts, <laughs> but happy to pay out the PFF pluses, though. Those are good. Absolutely. So we will uh, be in contact with those people, either me trolling emails or hopefully they message us and say, that's me. That will make my life easier. Um, but, yeah, we will do that. That was fun. I think we'll do it again uh, next season. Yeah, I or think, maybe to draft. Maybe we can do some draft ones. You want to do some draft ones? Yeah. Huh? Oh, like draft takes. Oh, so draft absolutely it needs to happen. Yeah, because you know every time you put out the mock draft, it's like this will never right. happen. Yeah, yeah. But um, those are tough to be right or wrong because neither of us can. No, neither side can properly predict things. No, but that's other why than like yeah. this guy will be above and below. It's you know. a lot riskier, but yeah, I mean that's why it's you know that's why it's there. So yeah, that's fun. That was uh, that was fun. We'll absolutely do it next year as well. Appreciate everybody being a, being a part of the bets. Yeah, I don't think we have any crazy locked-in-stone playoff takes, but if somebody wants to throw a bet on the playoffs or something we've Your done, NFL bets. podcast at pff.com, or get your draft ones in early as well. Like, those, send us the bets to NFL podcast at pff.com. If there's anything good, like, this is all based, again, the premise of this is when we say something and we're pretty confident about it, if you think we're full of it, send in the bet. Yeah, Let's see. for instance, I'm... I'm going out on a massive limb here, right? That I think that the Chiefs, Bills, or Bengals are, are going to win the AFC. If you're a Jags or a Chargers fan or a Skylar Thompson Dolphins fan, and you're like, nope, my team's doing it. My team's going to the Super Bowl with the AFC. I do think, for you're example, put, you know, there is there's never a 0% chance. There is a 1% chance that Skylar Thompson leads the Miami Dolphins to a Super Bowl championship this year. But if somebody wants to... You think we're crazy... Throw your name on the Fire line. Fire it in. Yeah. I will happily put a PFF plus on that. Look at you, Dolphins hater. A hater. I mean, you know. All right, before we get into the awards, the NFL playoff picture is locked in. And my go-to place for wildcard round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of wildcard round this weekend. 
Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet backed up to $10. Action so good, why bet on NFL playoffs anywhere else? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code PFF. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code PFF. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Sam, PFF awards time. You uh, you wrote these up. They're over at the PFF app, which everybody should download and check out. Also at pff.com. We'll to start top to bottom here. Sure. The most valuable player mm. in the NFL. Yes, with the obvious caveat that I hate this award and everything it stands for, and always will, always have, always will. Um, for anyone that's new, doesn't know why. I think in the NFL we get caught up tied up in knots in the value part of that description i think in every other sport mvp is supposed to be just the best player from the league that year that's what it's there for it's most outstanding player it's the heisman but for some reason the nfl we're like oh well who's the most valuable what if he wasn't in the lineup how much value are his teammates bringing to the table what if he didn't play all year and curtis painter had to go out and play 16 games does that make him the anyway we get caught up in this ridiculous merry-go-round every year so i hate it that's why PFF has the Dwight Stevenson Award, which is just the best player in the year, in, in the league that year. That being said, Patrick Mahomes is the MVP this year. Because if you took Patrick Mahomes out of the lineup, you know, the Chiefs might not be that good. Yeah, yeah, we, I think it's pretty clear. Well. It's Patrick Mahomes. I completely agree. I think when you look at the narrative this year, it was Mahomes versus Allen for, what, six weeks, right? And then it became Tua when he was playing absurd numbers from Tua. It's like Mahomes versus Tua. And then it was Jalen Hurts versus Patrick Mahomes. And, well, are we going to learn about Jalen Hurts' MVP candidacy? And then right up on the rails at the end, it's maybe Joe Burrow could get into the conversation. And then even right at the end before the Green Bay game, people are like, I mean, if Justin Jefferson breaks 2,000 yards, doesn't he have an MVP case? But the whole thing has been like, it's been Mahomes the whole way, and then we just keep finding other horses for him to run against. But it's, you know, if the one guy has been constant from pillar to post, it's probably him. The well, the other the, the Jalen Hurts argument was also the the fun one. That was the whole like addition by subtraction discussion, right? It's like, well, if we're going to learn about Jalen Hurts' value, 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 when he's not in the lineup, and um, I don't know if any voters are actually going to use this logic, the fact that they were zero and two without him, but fourteen and one with him, but um, people do use the value argument like that. Well, we saw the Eagles without Jalen Hurts; they lost two games, but with him, they were fourteen and one. Somebody's going to vote him for first just because of that mm. um but i look at the value component as not it's to me it's strictly what value did you directly add to your team and jalen hurts added zero value to his team in the two weeks that he was hurt so mm. mahomes from start to finish added the most value to his team and then if you do want to play that game right what do we know with and without and all that stuff in a year where we saw tyree kill and how good he is go to the dolphins and help transform that offense and the fact that the Chiefs didn't miss a beat and they actually got better this year than they did last year, Mahomes is the driver for that, right? The fact that he was he took a step forward in his career. I think we all agree Mahomes has been great since he's come into the league, right? But to to sustain su success like the Bradys and Mannings and Montanas of the world, think about what those guys did. Like they had different they had slightly different types of systems, right? They had different players around them, and they always essentially produced and played at a high level. And Mahomes showed that he could do that this year. We had never seen him without Tyreek Hill plus Travis Kelsey, two Hall of Fame caliber players. We had never seen him for an extended period of time without those guys. 
And he goes and puts up a 91-plus grade, top passing grade in the NFL. And um, I think it's pretty clear it's Mahomes as the MVP. Yeah, I, I do think there's absolutely a significant data point that says uh, two of those other guys had a significant receiver added to their offense, and one of them had it taken away. And that that's relevant. Like I think that's a significant part of the value thing. But I just generally think that we get caught up way too much in the value thing here instead of just trying to do what most MVP awards are there for, which is award the best player in the league. All right, well, then let's get to the award that you love, the Dwight Stevenson Award. We'll give you a, I'll let you give a little bit of the history of where the name comes from. But we started this years ago and said, okay, we are going to throw value out. We're going to isolate the best player. Um, last year's winner was Trent Williams. He's an offensive lineman. Aaron Donald has been won the Stevenson. Tom Brady has won the Stevenson. So it's regardless of position, um, who's the best player in the league? It's not purely based off just overall grade, but you know, there's a little bit of context that we need to add to this. But let's talk Stevenson and, and who was Dwight Stevenson? Dwight Stevenson was uh, a center from the Miami Dolphins who was widely regarded um, as one of the best players to ever play in the NFL. Like that guy was an absolute force just year after year, widely renowned as being one of the best players ever. Um, Pro Football Reference has a bunch of sort of unique historical um, data points that all point to him being just night and day better than anybody else in the NFL at that time at the position and relative to other guys. Like he was the gold standard for just elite play during his time. Only played for like nine or 10 years, I think, because I had a relatively short career. But Hall of Famer, just genuine, phenomenal player. All right, so who's in the mix here for the Dwight Stevenson Award this year? I think it's a lot of players in the mix. Obviously, Mahomes is in there. I think Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, um, any of the Defensive Player of the Year candidates, whether it's the three edge rushers, Chris Jones, Dexter Lawrence, like a lot of really good players this season. We didn't have – last year, uh, Trent Williams broke our offensive line scale, and it was uh, a pretty clear cut. He was the winner. This year, there's a lot of players in that 92-93 overall range across various positions there needs to be like a little bit of mental positional adjustment right for for some of them because um for instance interior defensive line there's there's four guys at 90 plus this year at quarterback there's it wasn't a great year for quarterbacks I think that matters too like the trends in the league as far as um it was tough to play offense this year across the NFL and the fact that the Chiefs um maintained their excellence in a year where the offense was down across the NFL I think um I think it means something in this whole equation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people keep for rookie of the year and things. People compare it to like, well, this guy had more numbers than some other rookie of the year from five years ago. It's like, well, you can't, I don't think you can really do that. Like, it has to be relative to what's happening right now and how everybody else in the NFL is doing, particularly at your position, is relevant to the award you're being put up against. Well, for instance, I think, I think Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady – both were battling for the MVP last year. I think if they both had the same seasons, they both win the MVP this year, if they did, for over yeah. over Mahomes, perhaps. But um, Stevenson Award, though, who's it going to? Well, usually the Stevenson is where you get to go, all right, MVP and, to an extent, Offensive Player of the Year has become a quarterback award. But Stevenson is our chance to say all positions are created equal. So let's give it out to Trent Williams, an offensive tackle, or let's give it to – you know, a wide receiver, or let's give it to Aaron Donald or whoever. Like, it's pick a position where the best player is actually um, a random position that doesn't have the bring the most value to the table. This year, though, I honestly think Patrick Mahomes has been as good as any player in the NFL. And therefore, I think for the first time, the Stevenson is also going to the MVP. They're, they're one and the same. Patrick Mahomes is winning this award, too. 
Brady would have had it maybe one year. Uh, I can tell you, actually. 2017? I have the the document. Yes, Brady in 2016. 16, he won the Stevenson. the Stevenson. Um, We didn't didn't give it to him in 17. Having said that, we didn't. That was one of the three years where we stopped giving the MVP award on the grounds that it's dumb. So technically, this is the first time that a quarterback has won both the MVP. Yeah, you have our awards history. And the Stevenson in the same year. There was a part. There was a part of uh, PFF history where we said, no. It's happened twice, two different times. We're not doing this. I have successfully campaigned to have us remove the MVP award twice in our history, and both times it's been brought back over my protestations. Um, I I think that's fair. Again, everything I described about, like, the – just the situation, right? I mean, nobody would look at Kansas City's playmakers outside of Travis Kelsey and just be like, oh, yeah, of course, they're loaded. I think it it was a fair argument, though, to say Mahomes with – Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey is gonna gonna help your production and in the play calling and everything that they have there. But this year was different. I think it was it was more Mahomes driven. And to your point, there wasn't a a, a single dominant player at another position that said oh, this yeah. guy has to be the Stevenson Award winner. Mm-hmm. So I think Mahomes makes sense there. I like your runner ups though. <laughs> Runners up. I think everybody. Tyree Kill and Chris Jones, right there. Yeah. All former teammates. All. All former Chiefs, two current Chiefs. But uh, Tyree Kill was very much in the mix. How much did Justin Je- would Justin Jefferson be the Stevenson Award winner if Week 17 didn't happen where he only caught one pass? Yeah, I mean, if Week 17 was the same as the rest of his season, you know, where he averaged like 100 or whatever, then sure. Um, like this year felt to me doing the awards, there were a lot of like, I don't want to use the word coin flips because it suggests that I'm just out here, you know, blindly determining the winner but like there were so many awards it felt really razor thin margins and very difficult to separate anything Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson just as a as a duo so that's going to come into offensive player of the year best receiver whatever splitting those two guys I thought was incredibly hard because Tyreek Hill had a bit of a downturn when obviously Tua went down and they were left with Teddy and then Skylar Thompson throwing him the ball and Justin Jefferson's season kind of ran into a brick wall in that Week 17 game where they played Green Bay and he fell over and then got shut down by Jair. Um, both these guys at various points in the season were threatening to break Calvin Johnson's record and be the first receiver to cross 2,000 yards in a year and blah, blah, blah. And each one of them ran aground for whatever reason, but they were still the best two receivers in the NFL. Which brings us to Offensive Player of the Year. And we're going Tyreek Hill. Of yep. the Dolphins, Tyreek Hill just over Justin Jefferson and Josh Jacobs mm-hmm. of the Raiders. Josh Jacobs being the best running back in the NFL, most valuable running back in the NFL this year. But why Tyreek Hill over Justin Jefferson? We talked about it a little bit. The fact that just, uh, Jefferson, not not because it was one bad game, but I think for me the argument for Tyreek Hill is the quarterback situation, right? We saw how explosive he was with Tua in the lineup. But having to, he had multiple games of Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater wasn't as good in this system as Tua was. That was a huge factor. The number that really stands out to me, though, yards per route run. Um, not only does Tyreek Hill have the highest receiving grade, mm-hmm. uh, PFF grade, 92.2, 3.2 yards per route run is a ridiculous number. Yeah. Justin Jefferson was at 2.6 for perspective. And that 3.2 number, that's up in, in – this reminds me of like Julio Jones, right, who this was his stat for years, right, the most productive per-route runner, uh, producer in the NFL basically. And he would be competing with, say, a guy like Antonio Brown who would have higher volume, much like Justin Jefferson this year, higher volume, you know, more 10-catch games and all that stuff. 
But on a per-snap basis, Julio Jones was always the most productive from like 2011 through 19 or whatever it was. And uh, that was Tyreek Hill for the season. Yeah. And even with, you know, the games with Skyler and Teddy Bridgewater, et cetera, Hill still finished with more explosive plays than Jefferson, one more. Um, those two were both like five clear of anybody else. Like, even with those, that kind of downturn in quarterback situation, he still had the, the best sort of stats outside of pure uh, cumulative yardage where Jefferson ends up winning. All right. Do you even want to talk about Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah. You're going to be uh, – people are going to be mad, It's already out there. They already know. They're going to be mad. I mean, if Bosa didn't make first-team All-Pro, he's not getting Defensive Player of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year. This one's – it's going to be hotly contested. What's your prediction for the real Defensive Player of the Year? I think Bosa will win it. You think Bosa will win it? Yeah. Do you think it'll be close? I don't think Miles Garrett's going to get votes. No. Well, votes I mean, he'll all. get votes. but So it's done He won't now. be getting first-place votes, though. Mm, eh, he might get a couple. I mean, if the, the, the fact that the players put him on the first-team All-Pro – I think is encouraging in terms of where I, people see him. Relative I think to players are guys. way less skewed by record though. Right. Because Maybe. especially the way you describe the voting, like it's left tackles are going to vote for like, they know but that's, Miles where, that's the way it should be. Yeah. Right. The fact that like the fact that you get guys that can have amazing seasons, like Aaron Donald has won three defensive player of the year awards. Right. And they're basically the three years where the Rams and their defense was good, which means Aaron Donald, who essentially has been the same guy for seven, eight straight years, People have determined whether or not he was having a good or a bad year based off non-Aaron Donald factors, right? When the non-Aaron Donald factors have been good, oh, Aaron Donald's having a defensive player of the year caliber season. And when they haven't been, it's like, ah, it's a down year for Aaron Donald. When he's basically been the same guy every year, he should be working on a six or seven straight run of defensive player of the year awards heading into this season, but he isn't because of other things. I just think that's bad process. Like, if you're trying to say who was the best player this year, then say that. And team record shouldn't come into it. So defensive player of the year. You think Nick Bosa. I agree. Nick Bosa is going to win the real award. Uh, we talked about Miles Garrett and uh, Micah Parsons as this, you know, the trio at the top of all the yeah. edge defenders. But the defensive player of the year for us this year? We went with Chris Jones. Can you say it more confidently, please? We went with Chris Jones. <laughs> Chris Jones of the Chiefs. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think looking at guys like relative to their position is important too, right? Uh, Chris Jones was fifth in the league in total pressures because he's an interior defensive lineman, right? Edge, edge rushers, just by the nature of the position, are going to get more pressures. But he had 14 more pressures than any other interior player. Dexter Lawrence was second with 63. This is how we used to always – justify Aaron Donald right he's pressuring players at an edge defender level despite despite being on the interior I think by the way as an aside you can construct a defensive player of the year case for Dexter Lawrence as well like absolutely just as a just as a side note on this whole thing because he had Dexter Lawrence also had one of the highest he had the highest run defense grade yeah, among all interior defensive linemen plus being second in pressures mm -hmm. massive breakout season for Dexter Lawrence and when we're doing this, because we do care about run defense, because we have looked at every single snap, there is a case there for Dexter Lawrence being up there with um, with Chris Jones. But he was he was slightly slightly behind Jones in in overall grade here for us. Yeah, um, I think Jones was phenomenal this year. Like even if Aaron Donald had played all season long, Chris Jones might have been the best interior pass rusher in the NFL all season long. That's the kind of level he was playing at. The fact that he can also kick out. To, to beat tackles around the edge as a speed rusher at 315 pounds or whatever he is now is insane. 
Like, th there's a reason that Kansas City decided that he could move and be a full-time edge rusher. It, it wasn't crazy. He can, he is, Chris Jones is Kansas City's best edge rusher right now and has been for a couple of years. It's just that moving him there and having him be a full-time edge rusher is a net negative as opposed to keeping him inside where he's the best pass rusher or best interior pass rusher in the NFL and then just figure out the edge. Like, it's a net loss even though he's still their best guy. You're still probably, even though it's, quote-unquote, easier to get pressure off the edge, I still don't think Chris Jones is a 77 pressure edge defender, right? No, no maybe not. I don't but think I he's going to win at a lot. that. Oh, no, he'd be fine, but I don't think he's at that level. But if you can get 77 in a 90-plus pass rush grade on the interior, that is more valuable right. because it's more his skill set. But my point being, the fact that a 315-pound dude can kick out to the edge, whoop a tackle round, oh, around the corner it's incredible. like he's a speed rusher is madness, and it should enhance his defensive player of the year case. Like Aaron Donald went out and played some wide nine this year because he was trying to get away from triple teams. And Aaron Donald didn't have that same kind of impact. And Aaron Donald, if you were lining which, you know, each one of them up and saying which guy has more speed and athleticism and burst and therefore might be a better edge rusher, you would say Aaron Donald. But Chris Jones is the one that can actually do that. Donald hasn't really been able to. So I think Jones has a phenomenal case for defensive player of the year. Let's discuss the statistical and grading case, though, for why Miles Garrett should be in the Micah Parsons, well, I just, Nick Bosa discussion. Just the three of them statistically are almost impossible to separate, right? They're all above 90 in PFF pass rushing grade. Uh, Nick Bosa has the lowest pass rushing grade of the trio, but he also has by far the highest run defense grade. So it sort of evens out there. Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons each have 90 total pressures. Miles Garrett is a little bit lower at 73, but Miles Garrett has the highest pass rush win rate of the three. So every time you find a stat that says one of them is like less than the other two, he counters it by being first in something else, right? And the other two are lower down. The only thing I really found that separated them in any way, shape, or form was Timo Riska's um, advanced stuff that he has where he tweeted a chart, um, PFF Moo, if you're looking for him on Twitter, um, tweeted a chart that's essentially trying to quantify the performance of pass rushers um, generally relative to expectations and then also on the other axis quantifying like how difficult was their role like how difficult was the job which factors in a whole bunch of stuff so it factors in strength of competition how good was the tackle this guy was being blocked by was it a tackle at all or was it a running back or a tight end which happens a lot um, how much double team help did the guy get? Like how all these sort of things, schematic help, a like, whole raft of stuff. And when you do that, Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett remain in this absurd elite quadrant where they're way better than anybody else in the league and they have some of the hardest roles in the NFL. In fact, I think Miles Garrett has the hardest job in the NFL as an edge rusher. And Nick Bosa is the third most productive guy relative to expectations, but he's in the middle of the pack in terms of difficulty of assignment, difficulty of role, which makes sense even if you just limit it to like looking at the players he faced this year. Like he went up against some pretty rough tackles relative to these other guys. Like I said, when Micah Parsons went on a run where he handed Andrew Thomas his first sack of the year and then the next week handed Christian Darasol his first two sacks of the year, those are two all-pro, certainly Pro Bowl caliber offensive tackles, and he was – whooping these guys like it was nothing week after week. Miles Garrett had incredibly tough assignments, <laughs> contrary to what Jadavian Clowney is trying to argue uh, to, to the media. 
So Parsons also did dabble at linebacker a little bit, even though he mostly moved to edge. Right. There were a few games where it's like, no, you're playing off ball or you're, so play, you're playing differently. If you're splitting hairs, which is what this is, right? There are three, particularly when it comes to all pro, um, there are three elite players for two spots. Somebody has to miss out. And whoever it is, it's going to feel wrong because all three of them deserve to be in that spot. But there are on three spots. Same thing for defensive player of the year. Like if you're looking to separate any of these guys, that's the closest thing it is to the hair splitting you can do, which says Nick Bosa is, is not even a step, is like slightly behind the other two guys. All right, let's go to the rookies now. Um, we have an overall rookie of the year and offensive and defensive rookie of the year. So the overall rookie of the year, if you've heard us talk enough. Well, let's do it the other way. That way it's actually... We want to build it up? Well, that way it's not irrelevant from the, from the very outset. Let's start with offensive rookie of the year. There then. you go. Offensive rookie of the year. Wow, this is interesting. It's not this Brock is... Purdy. It's not Brock Purdy. No. You got into a little... It wasn't a spat, but you had some discussions on Twitter about people that voted for Brock Purdy. Even if Brock Purdy was playing as well as the conventional stats say he's playing, which he isn't, but he's playing well. It, even if that was true, the idea that a guy can win rookie of the year based off five or six games I think is insulting to the guys that played well for 17 games of which there are several he's not even eligible for the players if the players were voting for rookie of the year he's not even eligible Correct. for their vote for their vote right so that should tell you something like I just think that's a joke he is it, we don't have to give an award to every good story you know like it's laudable it's like everybody that retires is in the hall of famer they can be a great congratulations on a great career you were a fantastic player. We enjoyed watching you. Matthew Stafford. Bye. We won't see you in Canton. Like, unless you, you're there to visit. You, can, you and I can visit <laughs> together. We can both go to Canton and look at the Hall of Fame players, but you weren't one of them. That, that's fine. We don't have to put him in the Hall of Fame just because he was a good player for a while. We don't have to give Brock Purdy Rookie of the Year. You're saying Brock Purdy's not a Hall of Famer? I'm saying Brock Purdy is not Rookie oh. of the Year because what he's doing right now is impressive. The fact that he's a great story, Mr. Irrelevant, amazing performance you know relative to expectations and yes there's no downturn from jimmy garoppolo and blah blah blah. all these things are true it doesn't make him rookie of the year because he's only played in six games so who is the offensive rookie of the year sam i think garrett wilson is jets wide receiver yes i, I think, think you he's can, the favorite i think you can it. construct a case for kenneth walker for tyler algier put himself in that conversation Absolutely. chris alave um but i think garrett wilson was the best rookie this year and, you know, people say, well, look at the difference Brock Purdy has made to that offense. Like, look at the difference Garrett Wilson made to that Jets passing attack. Okay, it then got undone by the fact that his quarterback stank. Brock, Pur Brock Purdy hasn't made a difference to the Niners offense. They scored offense. a lot more points when he's been in there. Yeah. They've had a pretty good little run. Yeah. It's just a small sample. Anyway, good. I just – the difference Garrett Wilson makes to that Jets offense is pretty special. And, okay, it's been undone a lot of the times because his quarterback situation has been terrible. But – like he's got the most broken tackles amongst the wide receiver by like a factor of two and a half or something. He, like he's been amazing this year. Yeah, I mean, I think Chris Olave should be right up there with him. Um, similar type of season in New Orleans. But the, the biggest case, I think, for Garrett Wilson was how, how bad his stats were with Zach Wilson at quarterback compared to Mike White and Joe Flacco. And it's not like Mike White and Joe Flacco are top five quarterbacks or anything like that. But Wilson still finishes with the most receptions, yards, everything among rookies. Um, despite having games where Zach Wilson spent more time scrambling to the sideline and throwing the ball away than actually targeting him. So, yeah, I think Wilson was, was spectacular statistically, had the highest receiving grade among rookies, in addition to just looking like a star too, like even some of his incompletions, like the one-handed <laughs> catch out of bounds. He looks like a future star. I'll also say, remember on draft night, 
or on uh, combine night last. You know, we were at a little, we were a little shindig on uh, when the receivers were running. Shindig. Well, yeah, a little shindig. Huh. We're at the party. You're really, you're really undoing the uh, the cool dra- the cool kid talk you had last show. I'll call it a party. Re- call it a party. We were yeah. at a party, bunch of uh, NFL execs and and people there as the receivers were running. At the combine last year, remember everybody was running four two on yeah. the on the fast watch. Either way, it looked like a good receiver class. Is my point. And it Again, appears to be. And six receivers went in the top eighteen, and we had seventy five plus grades for four different receivers who were rookies: Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave, Christian Watson, Jahan uh, Jahan Dotson. Somebody did that. Who was recently. it? Was it? Whoever was Scott commentating on that. Yeah, Scott that. Hansen was calling him Jahan Dotson. You just got in my head. Which was confusing Jahan. me because I'm like, is he right? I mean, what does he know that I don't? It's Jahan. You have Traylon Burks. You have George Pickens. It was a very good rookie wide receiver class, but uh, I think it was – I think Garrett Wilson's the, the right play there. Yeah, so there's your offensive rookie of the year. Now, defensive rookie of the year. Not going far here. We know we've, we've made – and we even had comments the other day. Aiden Hutchinson. Had more interceptions than Sauce Gardner. <laughs> he does. But Sauce Gardner is the defensive rookie of the year. Yes. It's clear. Um, He's – and here's the simple argument. We can have a discussion about Sauce Gardner being one of the top three corners in the NFL right now yes. after his rookie season. We can't have that discussion for Aiden Hutchinson right now after his first year. Could he get there? Maybe. Aiden Hutchinson ended up over 80 grade and well, very, very good season. Sauce could be the best corner in the NFL right now. Yeah, my, my bigger point would be that he did it from day one. Like, actually, there's a – I forget what the week is. It might be 10 or 11. Oh, you're doing this. Where Aiden Hutchinson from that point on is number thing, the three defensive player of the year candidates. I forget what the order is, but I think it's Michael Parsons, Miles Garrett, Aiden Hutchinson, Nick Bosa. Yeah, in part because Justin Fields threw him a pick. I mean, that, that affects Whatever. things. Anyway, the point is, if he'd been that guy all the way through the year – now we'd have a conversation, but he wasn't. He was okay for the first half of the year and then really good in the second half of the year. Sauce Gardner was really good from week one and kept on going through week 18. He's been arguably the best cornerback in the NFL for the entirety of his rookie season, which is madness. So I think it's pretty clear that he should be rookie of the year. And Aiden Hutchinson, again, it's a like great story. You might become that guy, but he was better and he for the whole season. So... Give it to him. I think I think Sauce showed. I mean, DJ Reed was very good on the other side too. But you saw the impact that having corners for the first time yeah. in years with the Jets did for their defense. Lowest passer rating allowed this season, Sauce. Highest PFF coverage grade. Lowest completion rate rate allowed into his coverage, and most combined interceptions and pass breakups. So plays on the football, right? How many times are you actually getting your hands on the ball? Sure, he didn't pick them off as much as Aiden Hutchinson, but he also had a ton of pass breakups. Like he was making plays on the ball. That's an all-pro resume at corner. You can't make the same argument for anybody else on the defensive side of the ball amongst rookies. Yeah, and when we make these arguments, it's not to tear down the person who didn't win. It's to state the case of the winner yes. and then explain the differences. So Tariq Woolen of the Seattle Seahawks, incredible draft pick, fifth rounder. Um, he had an awesome season. What Did he, did he end up with six interceptions? Um, Woolen was a guy, again, to repeat, one of the best combines of all time. Yeah, right? you, you will not see the length in size and speed combination that Tariq Wollin showed. You won't see that often. And he looked like a project, but he uh, coming in until he took the field and early this year didn't look like a project. Looks like a guy that they could absolutely build around. Um, Still had some warts here and there as a player, but man, a big play type of player. 
Um, but he didn't have the snap to snap production that Sauce Gardner had mm -hmm. because we don't look at production as interception totals. And again, just to put a bow on it, if you are making the argument that Aiden Hutchinson had X number of sacks and Y number of interceptions, we're certainly not looking at 12 plays or 13 plays to determine the best defensive rookie of the year. We're trying to take in all snaps, all plays. And Aiden Hutchinson had a very, very good rookie season, but not because he happened to have a certain number of sacks and a few interceptions, which are somewhat lucky, but also good plays when you're given the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Willen also had eight penalties, which is significantly more than Sauce. He also had uh, – he gave up five touchdowns. Sauce gave up one touchdown, and it was a communications breakdown where I think if you listen to him, he'll still argue that it wasn't on him, even though I'm pretty sure it was. So, you know, there's <laughs> there are negatives attached to this as well. Um, so how about overall rookie of the year then? Where are we going? I think it's Sauce. Um, I think he's been the best rookie by a pretty big distance. Again, I think he's the only guy where you can look at it and say, not only is he the best rookie at his position, but he's the best player at that position this year, which is A, crazy in itself, but B, cornerback might be the hardest position in the NFL to come in and be good at right away. He stepped in and it was the same guy he was in college where he was embarrassing people playing for Cincinnati, going up against Alabama receivers. Like he's outperforming expectations every step of the way. Yeah, incredible season for Sauce Gardner, for Garrett uh, Wilson, and then that's the Jets, man, the Jets. Um, they also had Brees Hall as a big play running back as their second rounder. Incredible draft by the Jets. I know they had two top ten picks, but I thought, th I thought they made the right moves, man, right? There was a lot of talk that they were going to draft an edge defender at four. Um, there was even talk that they were going to go offensive tackle despite all their offensive line investment. I think they picked the right positions, first of all. And then the right players, right? Go, getting Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. They picked, they made the right picks at four and 10 for sure. And they still got a Jermaine Johnson later in the first. And whatever you want to say about their running back pick in the second round, Brees Hall did look like a dynamic playmaker before mm -hmm. he got hurt. So congrats to the Jets on that. So there's a couple more general awards to get. Are we going to go through all the other specific? We'll just yeah. fly through them, uh -huh. the other ones. Comeback player of the year. Yep. I care less about this award. This is like my MVP. <laughs> Okay. Like, who cares who faced adversity? Who cares who, who faced cares? adversity? Who cares? I'm just kidding. I mean, it, they're always nice you stories. You should be all for this. It's a very American award. You know, it's yeah. a touchy feel. You guys do this kind of thing well, right? Like, the second anything dram dramatic happens, let's get Hollywood on the phone and make it into a movie. Like Stetson thing. Bennett. Stetson Bennett's going to have some Warner. movies. Kurt Warner. Who's going to play Geno Smith, who's the comeback player of the year this year, in the made for – what's the equivalent of made for VHS now? Like they don't even have that. Like made for streaming. Yeah. Made for, made for some streaming made service. Made for Hulu. Made for like whatever the, you know, whatever isn't Netflix. No. Made for the highest bidding streaming service. <laughs> actually. That's okay. how we do well, whoever, it. Who's going to play Gino in that movie? Cause Gino's comeback player of the year. I know technically I, I'm not a hundred percent sure what he came back from. You know, it's a little bit of a misnomer, but it feels like we reached the halfway point in the year and it's like, I, I'm not sure what the like what the exact criteria for comeback players. Every is. year, that's but the can debate. we all just agree yeah. that Gino belongs in it? He came back from never being. Yeah, like, he never he was. He didn't come back. From he came injury. back as a starter, but this time as sure. a good one. Yeah, it just I mean you know I find it hard to articulate why he's a comeback player. When Alex year. did Alex Smith win it that year that he just yeah. played football? Yeah, he did right properly. 2020, uh -huh. that was right. He came back from like a life-threatening leg. leg injury. Um, it doesn't matter what the criteria is. Geno Smith makes sense, right? Yes. Um, he wasn't hurt or anything, but 
He hadn't been a starter since 2014. He had two opportunities with the Jets, was a below average starter. They moved on, you know, toiled as a backup for multiple years, spot starts here and there, played a bunch of preseason games, but never looked as good as he did this year in any of those, uh, you know, especially uh, in any of those games mm -hmm. and uh, making big time throws. And I, I love how he handled adversity, right? You know, you're always looking for this guy that breaks out thinking, can he sustain it? And every time it looked like he couldn't sustain it, he did bounce back and make some big throws. I, I do think there has been a downturn in his play, certainly in the second half of the season. Yeah. But it's not, be it's not because he's just like incapable. And it it's like, there's a lot of bad decisions in there, but like last Sunday, there's an absolute dime you know, big time throw for a touchdown. He keeps coming back, and uh, Geno Smith just had an incredible season. Yeah, he had 34 big time throws. Only Josh Allen had more this year. Like, if you'd said that to anybody before the season, they would have thought you're nuts. So, you know what he had? As I looked at Geno Smith's stats and in the end of his his season, do you know what he had this year? No. He had the Jameis Winston season that I always <laughs> talk about. He Geno Smith had. The Jameis, where if part of the Jameis, um, you know, allure mm. was he's so aggressive that he's going to add value to the offense. The only question is how much negative value will he add? And if, if, if luck goes the right way in a given season, maybe it's, maybe it's okay. Uh, Geno Smith finishes with 29 turnover-worthy plays, but only 11 yeah. interceptions. So this is like the year that Jameis threw, you know, when he throws 25, 30 interceptions, what if they just get dropped that one year, right? But you still have all the good. You still have all the touchdowns. I'm not taking anything away from Geno. He's still graded. He was a number nine overall quarterback. He was very good. He also had some variants work his way, and overall the stats were fantastic. Mm. But he had that, like, high-end, very high-variance, good season that Jameis Winston, I always wanted him to have. Does that mean you're – your, your confidence is going to happen for Jameis is renewed because you've just seen it? Or no, I think, he, I think Gino stole it. Yeah, it's or gone. Gino stole his season. Gino stole now it. Now it's never happening. Maybe they flipped roles. Okay. Um, anyway, that was uh, that was, it was Saquon Barkley. Was in Saquon, Mexico coming off injury? Brian Robinson came back for getting shot in the preseason or whatever it was. Like, that's pretty impressive. Is he going to win the real one, Brian Robinson? I don't know. I have no finger on the pulse for where the NFL is going to go with comeback player of the year. They could vote for DeMar Hamlin. Like sure. as a as an award potentially, yeah. I don't know. I have uh, no feeling on how they're going to go. With comeback player of the year is always a little like when Alex Smith won it. Wasn't there another candidate who had like obviously like a, a good season? Yeah. That they just said forget about JJ right. Watt or whoever it was. Like it's always a little JJ know, wins it like every other it's year. It's always a little nebulous as a concept. Yeah. But, but I Gino figured, Smith's a great. It felt like we got two thirds of the way through the year and it was like no Gino Gino qualifies and he should get it. All right, let's go through the other PFF-specific awards. We give best uh, receiver and offensive lineman in the whole deal. So there'll be some redundancy here, but best yeah. receiver. Yeah, we already covered this with the Offensive Player of the Year stuff. Uh, separating Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson, I think, is a nightmare. Again, don't want to use the word coin flip, but you're really splitting hairs between close. the two of them. And we went Tyreek Hill. Devontae Adams in the mix there. Mm. Uh, best offensive lineman, something I do feel like we, uh, we can do a little bit better than others with uh, – the extra attention that we give the line. I think it was Lane Johnson. Um, the last time Lane Johnson gave up a sack, Donald Trump was still president, and the UK had a queen, not a king. Did you write that? Was that in your write-up? Yeah. That's good. I'm, I'm curious to see if it makes it to the website. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the man hasn't given up a sack in like two years. It's insane. He gave up nine total pressures this year, of which none of them were sacks or hits on the quarterback. Like nine hurries across whatever, 550 pass blocking snaps with one of the hardest jobs in the NFL. Like Timo's stuff where he quantifies role and help and all that kind of thing. He does the reverse, obviously, for offensive linemen. And Lane Johnson regularly has like the toughest assignment of any offensive lineman in the NFL and yet is arguably the best pass blocker in football. And you saw the difference he made when he wasn't on that offensive line. Like as soon as Lane Johnson is gone and now all you, all you have is four good starters and a problem, the line almost fell apart. Like Lane Johnson was huge to that group. Also a very good run blocker. It was a good year for some breakout offensive linemen too. Andrew Thomas of the Giants in the mix. Christian Darrisaw had a breakout season for the Vikings, got hurt a little bit in there. Um, yeah, was a good year. Panay Sewell has started to establish himself as you know one of the premier right tackles in the league. I think he'll be challenging Lane Johnson for that top spot at right tackle in the future, along with Tristan Wirfs. But uh, yeah, that's a good Wirfs is right up pick. there. Um, the difference between the two of them, um, Tom Brady had the fastest average time to throw all season long, like absurdly quick. Jalen Hurts obviously does not. And the difference in the two is like Lane Johnson is pass blocking for like three tenths of a second longer per snap on average, which doesn't seem like much when you say it, but is the difference between like the fastest average time to throw in the league and somewhere like rank in the middle of the pack towards further towards the bottom than the top. Uh, best pass rusher. So we've given out just from a pass rushing standpoint, doesn't matter which position going Chris Jones. Yep of the Chiefs to match you know some of the other awards there but see previous defensive player of the year argument. see the same discussion as far as Garrett Parsons Bosa giving it to Chris Jones this year how about best best run defender another thing that we uh, that we do people specifically off. yeah this will anger people because again this is one of those ones where it's re it's regardless of position so we think about run defense as being a defensive tackle and linebacker job right that's what they do they stop the run the, the guys in the middle, they eat up two gaps. They eat up two offensive linemen, two blockers. The linebackers make the tackles. Here endeth run defense. Maybe you could throw in a, uh, a you know, run-stuffing strong safety and in-the-box type of guy as well. Fine. Everyone else, not really your thing. But I think Jalen Ramsey has been the best run defender in the NFL in that role that he has within that Rams defense. Like the difference between him and other corners – when it comes to run defense, has been absurd. His grade is off the charts. You were telling me you went through his tape and, and watched some of these plays. Like, you know, what do you see? I mean, he when he when he moved to this role with the Rams, I I said <laughs> they're moving him to that Charles Woodson late career Charles Woodson role. Yeah, um, not because he he's still playing corner, but he's playing in the slot. And what Charles Woodson did was bring linebacker like run defense skills to the slot, basically to a cornerback role. Like there was a play on Sunday, Kenneth Walker, where the whole goal of offense is, is to like isolate your running back on a corner. But you don't want to do that with Jalen Ramsey. He beats Kenneth Walker uh, to the corner, essentially saved the Lions season for at least a few more minutes, keeping Kenneth Walker out of the end zone. And, and he'd been doing that all season, right? He doesn't miss a ton of tackles in the run game. He's forced two, uh, forced two fumbles. And he just flies to the ball. And you throw in the screen game as well, which counts for coverage for us. But just the way Ramsey plays, he is a linebacker, safety-esque player with cornerback coverage skills. So this award is for run defense, but a 92 run defense grade where he is just in a role where he has to make plays. He's not just being hidden. He makes impact plays in the run game for the Rams. Yep. 
So again, like he's not, it's not what you think of as his or as a cornerback's role and responsibility, but he's so much better at that than anybody else in the league right now that it's the reason that he's still in all pro conversations, even though he's been like good, not great uh, in coverage this year because his run defense is just on another level. Uh, best pass coverage when uh, we did go through a rebrand a few years back where this was the uh, Night Train Lane Award. Yeah, we had names for them, and then it just became too complicated and potentially uh, <laughs> potentially copyright infringing. Uh, We've tried a lot of things, but just the best pass coverage, again, it's uh, the reason, any position. The reason we still have the Stevenson is that Dwight's on board. Yeah, he's good He's, he's all for it. Uh, we didn't want to have to go through the legal arms of whatever Night Train Lane's legacy is and Jerry Rice and all that kind of thing, so we're back to just best players. Um, best coverage, Sauce, again. Uh, I think there's a bunch of players that are in the discussion, but those data points I read out earlier, like best passer rating allowed, lowest passer rating allowed, lowest completion rate. When you look at single coverage, his passer rating allowed is lower than if the quarterback had just junked the ball every time instead. Like, his numbers are nuts. Uh, love that Patrick Sertan is on here in year two, that Sauce is in here in, uh, in, in year one. as uh, You know, Sertan is, a, is an honorable mention, so – I think we hit a bit of a lull with like who's the best corner in the NFL or who are the top three or four corners in the NFL. I think with these guys are joining Ramsey and Jair Alexander and you know some of the the guys where we could say hey there's a distinct five or six that we're looking at and I think Sertan and Sauce are both in that mix now. Well it'll be interesting to see if any of those guys can um, buck the trend of the last five years or so where it's been like a different corner every year you know somebody like Stephon Gilmore jumps up and he's a dominant force and then Jair is great and then uh, Ramsey or whoever it is like every year it's been a different guy and we're sort of putting that down to just that's just the position these days that's the nature of cornerback and coverage in today's NFL it fluctuates it's volatile it's too dependent on everything else certainly with sauce it'll be interesting to see like is he just that good where he can be the guy for the next like can he be the next Richard Sherman for the next sort of five years and just lock down that position as the best corner in the league uh, let's go breakout player of the year. This is different from comeback player of the year, but a guy that, you know, not came out of nowhere, but just had his first really good season. Who broke out this season? Though it could easily have been Geno. Um, you know, I, I think it was his first good season. It, you know, Geno yeah. Smith qualified. I think we just sort of made the determination that Geno is winning comeback player of the year, and let's give breakout to somebody else. It yeah. could be him. I think he would qualify for this. Andrew Thomas wins the award. Um, Andrew Thomas really, he went from disastrous rookie of the year or disastrous rookie year rather when it was from a really good offensive tackle class when a ton of these guys went in the first round and after his rookie season everyone was like oh wow the Giants picked the wrong guy they picked him first and look at Tristan Wirfs and look at Mekhi Becton and all these other guys look better than him this is a terrible pick and you sort of saw it as his rookie year went on right at the end he was starting to play a little bit better having reworked his um his sets Year two, he was much better as a pass blocker, but still sort of just heading in the right direction. And then this year, I mean, he was as good as any left tackle in the NFL. And the rest of that offensive line was terrible. Like, he didn't have any help. It was just him locking down his side. His overall grades went from 62 to 78 to this year, 89. And one of the few players around the league to be above 80 as both a pass blocker and a run blocker, which two. is something he did. What's that? One of two. One of only two. There Trent we go. Williams being the other one. So it's a pretty it, good company to be keeping. I remember writing up Thomas coming out of Georgia thinking he is the best combination of both pass block and run block. Um, I might not be right. I mean, worse might be the guy. <laughs> but um, but Thomas, of that group coming out, like Mekhi Becton looked like more of a run blocker. And, you know, Thomas might have been the best all around 
now looking back along with Worfs, but mm -hmm. we finally got to see that all come together this year. I like the honorable mentions. Trevor Lawrence is another obvious one yep. as a breakout. Ryan Neal, the safety from the Seahawks, 6-3, moves around the way he covers tight ends and running backs. He's kind of a modern-day safety. See if he can keep it up. It's tough to sustain elite performance like he's had at safety. but I think you could put really a ton good. of players in this conversation. Darasol, that we talked about before, would be in there as well. Um, who else was I just thinking about? Um, Chris Lindstrom, I think, is another guy who took his yeah. game from good to great this season. Uh, a ton of guys that would fit into you this. Have a book game. deal? Good to great? Good to great? Yeah. You should get a book deal or something. Yeah? Just drop that in there. All right. What? It's a book. Whose book? I don't know. It's about businesses, taking them from, from good to great. It's a Neil book. Oh. Yeah. I haven't read that. Yeah, but you've lived it. Yeah. Because he applies what he reads. Okay. <laughs> All right. Best pass blocker. Lane Johnson, we already yep. talked about him. Covered. Uh, best team offensive line. You've been doing the offensive line rankings all year. Was this <laughs> an easy one here? And if you've read those, you'll know who it is because yeah. the Eagles have been number one in the preseason. Wire to wire. Yeah, preseason, yeah. every single week of the season, concluding final, you know, whatever their final offensive line rankings were. The Eagles were number one the entire way. A big part of that is they had the same offensive line effectively the entire way except for those two games, I think, at the end that Lane Johnson missed. So they had stability. And they didn't have a weak link. Like they were one of the few offensive lines, maybe the only offensive line, where they just had five above average starters and then the above average went up to all pro caliber with guys like Lane Johnson. Honorable mention to the Kansas City Chiefs, who, by the way, these last two years now have been the two best offensive lines that Patrick Mahomes has had. Yeah. And that's incredible given the fact that Eric Fisher was so solid at tackle. Mitchell Schwartz was a top three right tackle for the majority of his time in Kansas City, if not better. And they that whole reshuffle a couple years ago. Seems to, it definitely worked on the offensive line. There was questions about whether or not that was best for the team, but I think they've proven that this year as well, that it was. Um, and then the Ravens, who, of course, picked up the great Morgan Moses for $5 million. So that's, that's how you... definitely the difference there, yeah. It is. They you also got Ronnie Stanley back after like Healthy Ronnie Stanley on the shelf. Almost. And Morgan Moses to replace Ali Villanueva. Yeah, Stanley's made a huge difference to that offensive line when he came back, um, which really wasn't a foregone conclusion. I mean, you sort of think about what happened to him like, they rushed him back for week one last year, and he was so bad and so hurt and so less than 100% in that week one that after one game, less than one game, because I think he came out during the game, they shut him down for the year. Like, they went, no, <laughs> evidently we have erred. You're going to take the entire year off and get healthy. And at that point, you're like, man, that was like an ankle injury has suddenly turned into a two-year Injury, that doesn't sound good for your ability to come back and be the player that you once were. And even this year, it wasn't like he didn't, he wasn't ready for the start of the year. We were coming back, and these are not good data points to have. And then he comes back and looks exactly like Ronnie Stanley always looked. So, huge break for them. Let's go to best run blocker. You just talked about him a couple minutes ago. Chris Lindstrom from yep. the Falcons. Been an absolute force. The Falcons are the only, te only team in the NFL who run the ball more than they pass the ball this year. Over 50% of their plays are runs. Chris Lindstrom has just been a bulldozer in the middle of that offensive line. I think the only guy that's really even comparable uh, or in the, the argument is Trent Williams, who, again, has just been a freaking monster as a run blocker for the 49ers. But, yeah, Lindstrom's been amazing this year. And best passer Mahomes. going Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Just over Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, our top three graded quarterbacks, top three passers, and um, future's bright in the AFC here. Yep. 
the youngsters. Mahomes is the, uh, the oldest AFC quarterback in the playoffs here. Unless uh, Huntley's older than him or something. I don't know if he starts. Well, cause, uh, but with Lamar cause, and Tua in the mix. It's because Stetson be. Bailey isn't in the playoffs. Otherwise, he'd obviously Bennett? be the oldest. Stetson, yeah, Stetson Bennett. SB the fourth? SB the fourth? It's the fourth. There have been three previous iterations? Yeah. Not, not nearly as accomplished <laughs> as the fourth version. Yeah. If, uh, yeah, if he was in the playoffs, he'd obviously be the oldest guy. We doing special teams too? Yeah, of course we're doing special Best teams. Best special teams. I, I knew you were just going to go. Well, for, to hell with it. Special teams doesn't count. Let's not even read that award out. Everything I do, if I could eliminate special teams from PFF just Ultimate, I would. Noxious disrespect it to these guys. Um, Jeremy Reeves for the Washington Commanders. He was the guy that the, you saw the video right when yeah, he made yeah. the Pro Bowl. That was good. And Ron Rivera let him know, and he, he broke down in tears. I mean, he earned that. He was a, a legitimate, justified Pro Bowler. He's been the best special teamer in the NFL this year. And our special team award doesn't just go to players like Reeves who, you know, play special teams, but it's like kicker, punter, return man. Anything that takes place in special teams is eligible for best special teamer. And Reeves is that guy over Justin Tucker, over the best punters in the league, over the best return guys. Jeremy Reeves has played almost 400 snaps of special teams, five different phases, even the last few games of the season, he got starts on defense um, and was doing like special teams on the side. You know what I mean? He's playing as a full-time safety and then has to go there and play every special teams unit as well. The dude's been fantastic. I think we liked him coming out of uh, South Alabama, didn't we? As a safety? I don't know. I think I did. You think... like everybody. Like you, Your list yeah. of my guys is like 200 names long. That's what uh, – you see that move? Uh, Louis Riddick's doing that now. He's got like uh... – He's got like a screenshotted list of all the players he likes from the second and third round. And whenever they do something well, he just like tweets the list. Here we go. Yeah. I'm going to do that this year. I still need like. There's the 40 guys I'm looking from round two and three that I think you're going to. It's like good as that is, I I, I need a percentage attached to that. Like what is the percentage of your list that is good? Oh, you want my model? I'll 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 just do my model. It's not so much you, but like, you know, somebody who's going to approach that the way Lou apparently is. I'm working off your information here. But if Lou's like here, I nailed him. That guy's good now. It's like, okay, but if he's the only guy from your list that's good, that's not a good strike rate. You know, I need to, I need the percentages here. Anyway, congrats to Jeremy Reeves, both yes. on the uh, Pro Bowl nod and the uh, PFF award. And because you're going to snub these guys again, let's read out some honorable mentions. Josh Woods from the Detroit Lions. George Odom, who I think won it last year or was, was very close to. Certainly we've given him some kind of um, recognition in the past. Just like, been, the name rings a bell. I think we I, did something I with him. I forget what we – it might have been all pro that we gave him special yeah. teams spot. But he's definitely had recognition from us. Multi-year star here, George Orton. In the past. Um, and then Daniel Carlson, who was the best kicker in the league this year. He's right like a coin flip again between him and Justin Tucker. They basically had the same season in terms of – I think each one of them has like a miss on – a missed extra point – and then maybe like one missed field goal under 50 yards, and then everything else is like absurd kicks over 50 where they're, they've missed. Well, congrats to all the award winners, all the honorable mentions, everybody. That was fun. Yeah. That was great. PFF Awards. They're over at pff.com, PFF app. Somebody Go else wanted to know from the chat. We'll continue this throughout the playoffs, but they wanted like a final tally on how we had done versus each other in picks. And despite, despite finishing the year – where I had two wretched weeks and you had two good weeks, one of which was your son picking. Two of which, Nobody right? He wants to know this. Uh, I finished, two, what is that, 27 games better than you? So that's it. That's, that's the tally. 
how many playoff games are there? Can you even come back if we have if we go one hundred percent? Seven games. Yeah, that's There's six, four, four, two, one. Uh, What's that? <laughs> seventeen games. <laughs> we got a seventeen game schedule. Well, yeah. if we let mine so the count best you can double, do is come let mine it. count double at playoff time. No, counts double. No, no, no. We're not doing that. Maybe you got to fight. So what you've got to do is find Scaragamis in the playoffs. That's what you need. You ready for this? RG three. RG3 has tweeted out the key to winning in the playoffs. Did He's he, got data to back him up. Did he win in the playoffs? That yeah, doesn't matter. That is a little bit. He got hurt in the playoffs, and I, they may have won one game, but <laughs> definitely not two. Okay. The key to winning in the playoffs is, all caps, running the ball. Of course it is. And all caps, stopping the run. I see. Historically, teams have a 75% chance of winning in the playoffs when they outrush their opponents in last year's wildcard round. Five of the six winners outrushed their opponent. Yeah. The, so the thing with these guys is uh, when you have NFL, when you have former players and all these people that sort of get jobs on TV, there's a bunch of people that then feed them data, you know, like researchers and, and st statisticians and blah, blah, blah. But you need somebody that understands the mechanisms at work here. Otherwise, what you're doing is presenting that picture of the confirmation bias, you know, the plane with all the holes in the wings where they tried to, like, you know, yeah, they yeah. did a study on all the planes returning from the war. Like, where are the bullet holes from these planes? Because that's what we need to reinforce, right? They were getting shot to pieces in the wings. Let's beef up the wings. And then it took somebody pointing out, no, because the ones that got shot in the engines didn't make it back. Like, they're over enemy territory in a ditch somewhere. Like, that's what you need to beef up, not... The, the, by definition, the ones with the holes in the wings are the ones that were able to fly all the way back and be okay. The ones that you need to fix are the ones that you don't see any holes in because that's what terminally ended this plane cycle. So when you have people like, you know, feeding the likes of RG3, and I don't want to single him out here, but you did. I'm sorry. Um, you know, they're, I'm just they're saying feeding that, them information, yeah, right? Yeah. But nobody's telling them how to interpret the information. So they're like, well, it turns out they're just running more yardage. That's that's gonna win. What's what? it feels like the smart researchers? Because I agree with you. I mean, you get fed all these stats, right? Yeah. And uh, it feels like the researchers could put a little asterisk and say uh, correlation is not causation. Yeah, but like, it feels tough to put that onus on the researcher. Like, talk. You know, let me explain football to the all pro. Well, then don't put bad stats out there. Don't put bad stats out there. I just, but they're just going to give. I don't blame RG three and everybody. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I'm in, just point, in, I'm pointing. I'm five, five to ten years ago, this tweet would just go out there and everybody would like it, and or at the time they'd favorite it, and uh, now people are going to dunk on him. They're I'm all going to the, 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 the a lot of people are going to go dunk on RG three. I'm just pointing. And he's going to wonder why. To a flaw in the process, I don't have a solution for it, but somebody. Somewhere in TV land or somewhere, you know, whoever, is he working for ESPN? Is that what he's, yeah. So somebody in the ESPN mothership needs to start working on this problem, right? Like we've got all these great ex-football guys and then we have a team of research people and they're connecting, but it's not leading where it's supposed to be because nobody's interpreting the numbers. They're just saying it and then saying, well, the, the obvious conclusion from this data point is X, but even this, if the unobvious solution is actually the right one. The problem isn't just what you said, though, because obviously everyone's believed this their whole life, too. Everybody that's played, everybody that's heard people on TV, like this 
this isn't just a data point that he read. It's it's the belief system. But isn't that, that one of those have. things where like there's a lot of there's a lot of things where analytics generally is sort of pushing back against the tide, and a lot of it is still sort of up for debate, right? Sure. Like yeah. how much is all these? But there, there's a couple of things that I think have been proven beyond a reasonable doubt to use that term, right? One of them is play action works, right? You don't need you don't need to establish the run, Byron Leftwich, to run play action. <laughs> You can simply run, you can run play action on the first play of the game. It will still work because play action works inherently. It doesn't require something else to happen beforehand for it to work. I feel like this is one of those things that's been proven. Like we know that the teams, like running back has a great correlation to winning, not because running leads to winning, but because winning teams run to eat out the end of the game, to eat up the clock. You know what I mean? Yes. So, this isn't this feels like one of those things where yes like there's a world where we could be seen as arrogant and you know just crapping on these things for things that are still kind of debated you know but this isn't one of those things i mean there's like this is something where somebody needs to save him from this there's also somebody on espn today who i won't name who said now that the dolphins know that skylar thompson's probably their quarterback they need to go force two or three turnovers to give themselves a shot He's like, he's like, the defensive coach needs to, the defense coordinator guys to go out there and say, guys, we need two or three turnovers. It's like, man, show, tell me, how do you, how do you create that little magic bullet? How do you make that happen? Because it's not just Skylar Thompson week that you want to do that. You want to do that every week. How yeah. do you teach turnovers? I don't hate that as much. I mean, I think you can go, well, look, there's a lot of plays where you, you're going to sell out for the, the turnover or you play it a little bit safely. So no more safe this weekend. Let's just sell out. Go nuts. Like, go for the peanut punch more than the wrap. Go for the undercut for the play as opposed to the keeping one arm around, like the one-arm bat where you have the other arm around the DB Try to catch or the receiver so yeah. that you can still make the tackle if you miss it. Don't. Forget it. Go for two hands. Go for the interception. I think you can do that. I mean, yeah, you could teach guys to be more aggressive. I don't think you can coach turnovers. I think you well, can go obviously, to... but the point being, like, if you're more aggressive in this game, hopefully that will lead to more turnovers in this particular occasion. Well, we'll see. I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but yeah, and uh, just to except RG three apparently. Well, just to make sure that we're clear on this, yeah, like you said, it's because uh, winning teams run the ball more because yeah. they're winning first. I just feel like somebody needs to save him from that tweet. Yeah, well, also from that opinion. Instead, but... everybody that I follow is probably going to go dunk on him, and uh, you know. Start some some discourse. Tweet the uh, you should tweet the picture of that plane with the holes in it to him. Just just that. <laughs> no, not doing that. That's <laughs> it's way more than a tweet. No, a big tweet, explanation. Just the just, just the picture. The, the, the that was that. If you know, you know. You know. Just if you know. Tweet that. I can't stand when people say that. Actually, <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> I'm out of here. We're out of here. Yeah. We got another three hour show tomorrow for six games. Sweet. So. Anyway, thanks to everybody for tuning in. A little fun uh, awards, bets, the whole deal. Um, if you do have more postseason bets, uh, NFL podcast at pff.com. Send us your emails. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow previewing all of the super wildcard weekend action. We'll see you guys tomorrow.